Well, thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk a little bit about some exercise and some diet issues again, coming away from some conversations I've been having with a number of people, in particular with a couple of former colleagues of mine, as well as some students, regarding how do we go about making sure that we can have progressive changes in our body image, in our strength, in our body composition, in our overall health. It always starts with this question, why is this happening? We've been working out. We've been lifting weights. We've been running. We've been doing all of the stuff we've been told we should be doing. We've been following the model of progressive overload that we keep hearing about because progressive overload is what's necessary to have uh, bigger muscles because we'll be moving heavier and heavier and heavier weights and heavier weights leads to bigger muscles. We've been following the progressive overload and looked at doing more cardio more endurance training at higher intensities in an attempt to burn more fat. We've changed up the diet. We've followed the various types of diets that have been advertised for us to follow. We've started to eat quote unquote healthier. We've changed when in the day we're eating. We've followed a time-restricted eating plan. We've changed when we eat and how much we eat each day of the week. We follow a uh, intermittent fasting plan. But the problem is, is that we stop seeing changes. And this is where a lot of people start to think, oh, I got to go harder and harder and harder. I have to lift heavier and heavier and heavier. I have to cut more from my diet. We've hit plateaus. We stop making changes in our mus muscle growth. We stop seeing changes in our body weight and our body composition. And it becomes frustrating because we think that we're sacrificing so much and we're working so hard for what we want as our exercise goal. Those plateaus have been hit and we don't know what to do because we have constantly been told if we want to see changes, we just simply need to keep working or in some cases work harder. And that might not be the case. So let's talk about that a little bit. Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. So the responses that we're going to see is going to vary. And the variances that we see within our responses is all about are we incorporating the correct principles of physiology into what we're doing in our diet and in our exercise. And it doesn't matter whether we're looking at dieting to lose body to lose specific types of body composition, to lose body fat, or if we're trying to exercise in order to gain muscle mass, or if we're just trying to make a change in overall body composition analysis or in overall performance. What we have to go back and we have to start looking at is how are we going about organizing the exercise and organizing the diet based on our specific goals. And this is where we have to rely upon the importance of periodization. It's something that we don't normally think about when we think about diet and exercise as relates to overall body composition changes, overall health aspects of our everyday life. But we have to make sure that we're incorporating these, these principles. And that's because our workout and our diet and our everyday life, in terms of our physiological responses to the stresses that we see 
is based off a specific principle within physiology that kind of governs, if you want to look at it that way, governs our responses to having a stress placed on us. And that is what's referred to as the specific adaptations to imposed demands principle, the said principle. The said principle is the foundational principle for adaptations. And what is going to tell us is that changes are going to be specific to what we're asking the body to do. And it's only going to do those changes to meet what we're asking the body to do, which means that if I'm trying to get stronger, but all I'm doing is lifting five pound weights, all the body's going to learn how to do is lift five pound weights. If I'm going to try to cut nutrients from my diet, the body's going to learn how to do its metabolism without those nutrients. It's the response that the body's going to take to maintain homeostasis. And then we'll adapt in order to establish a new homeostasis based off of whatever stresses we're placing on it. And the body's going to do this so that the, the stress that we are placing on it becomes the new normal, which means that when we start our exercise program, when we start our diet programs, we're going to see drastic changes. We're going to see pretty big changes within the first month or so. We'll see strength changes very quickly because the muscles and the nervous systems are going to try, are going to figure out, okay, how do I go about coordinating the efforts so I'm able to lift something slightly heavier? The hormones are going to figure out, okay, when am I going to be sending out these signals to allow for growth, to allow for increases in fat metabolism, to allow for increases in protein metabolism, to change the way in which I'm going to do the chemistry of the body to meet the demands that the body is being placed on so that we're able to make sure that we're able to maintain homeostasis. The said principle is going to allow me to have very short-term adaptations to the stress that's going to allow me to have long-term modifications to my body that will meet the demands that I'm placing on it and nothing more. It does not go beyond the demands being placed on it. That said principle comes into play when we start looking at exercise. And we look at in terms of exercise, what we're really looking at is we're looking at overload. And it's the weights being lifted, or the amount of work being done in which if there's too much resistance that is being placed on the muscles, the muscles will get stimulated to grow. It's not an instantaneous growth. It's not, okay, I'm going to work out and the next day my muscles are going to be bigger. The muscles may appear bigger the next day, but that's because of an immune response taking place. We covered this in a different talk, looking at the aspects of muscle soreness and the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And I'll have a link for that within the, the video description, as well as within the introduction to the, the podcast. That resistance needs to be at 10% or above of what the muscle is able to do in order to achieve overload. That's what the science is telling us. If I don't get that overload from resistance, I have to get overload from workload. That is what I'm asking the muscles to do for extended periods of time. When we look at this, the extra resistance can cause the muscles to become larger. The workload is going to cause more endurance to come about. The endurance aspects can come about due to overcoming fatigue issues. 
the fatigue issues, even though we like to think about it in terms of lactate and lactic acid is not because of lactate or lactic acid. And I'll put a link in the description to both a paper that I published with some friends of mine, as well as the podcast and the video that corresponds with muscle fatigue as well within the descriptions. When I ask the muscle to do more, when I ask the body to do more than what it's capable of doing, it's going to undergo energetic changes. It's going to undergo changes within the mitochondria of the body, within the mitochondria of the cell. So it's able to do things for longer periods of time. It may not be able to produce the same amount of strength over that same amount of time, but it's able to do things for longer periods of time. When I combine the greater muscle strength, the greater muscle strength coming from the growth due to overcoming excessive resistance, as well as greater endurance, higher workload, I'm going to start seeing adaptations within the muscle that's going to lead to increases of fitness for the person. I'll increase my fitness. Here's the thing. Fitness comes before body composition. Changes in fitness. If you look at the research, and I'll put links into a couple of studies that I've published that relate to this. If we look at changes in fitness versus changes in body composition, the changes in fitness will occur prior to changes in body composition, even though most of the quote unquote professionals that you might go and talk to about needing to change body mass or change body composition, focus on that as being the principal thing that we're going to focus on and not on the fitness and that goes into what we're going to look at here in a second in terms of how do we go about setting up our periodization so that we get the greatest effect that we can get from our workout. So if we start looking at, we're doing this progressive overload issue, this progressive overload issue, this progressive overload issue, there's a problem with progressive overload. And the problem with progressive overload that we have to counter with the use of the periodization is that I'm not going to train so as to agree or meet training goals. And part of that is because it doesn't allow for recovery to come into play. And part of it is, is focused on one specific aspect of the overall responses that we're going to see from exercise, which means that if I'm simply going to overload on the resistance side, all I'm going to do is force those muscles to become larger and stronger, which may not allow me to have increase my endurance or allow for changes in my overall fitness. The progressive overload issues lead to overtraining. The overtraining is detrimental to overall performance. Most of the time we start looking at this aspect of periodization. If you talk about periodization with a lot of the exercise and health club individuals, they will usually reference it in terms of athletics and trying to change your training so as to reach peak performance at specific times within a calendar year. We can use those same principles as it relates to everyday exercise and everyday diet where we're going to be blocking off and changing our training routines throughout the year to meet specific goals throughout the year. And part of this deals with in terms of how we can overcome this progressive overload. And the problems with progressive overload is through allowing for recovery and allowing for changes in training mechanisms to come into play that will encourage different adaptations. The differences in adaptations will improve my overall fitness while at the same time will challenge my body to need to be able to do multiple things rather well. So 
where are we going wrong with this progressive overload? We have inappropriate recovery periods. That's once again, going to lead into overtraining issues. When overload is continuous and progressive, we don't allow the muscles a chance. We don't allow the body a chance to adapt appropriately, which means that we're going to get adaptations to only one type of training mechanism, one type of training intensity, one type of training stimulus, as opposed to the various types of stimulus that we'll be encountering on a daily basis. The exercise selection may be inappropriate to maximize our overall training responses. And part of that has to do with the fact that if we're going to continually overload the muscle in terms of resistance overload, we're going to have to move towards specific types of exercise selections in terms of the modality of exercise. That is what we're actually doing in terms of the exercise that doesn't allow us to have variability within the training. And without having variability within the training, we're only going to adapt to have one specific response. And that one specific response is not going to be the best response we get for the muscles or for the body at whole. So why are we going to go wrong? Why is it that we're saying that progressive overload in terms of this continuous progressive progression is not the best avenue or best approach? It's primarily dealing with how we're goal-orienting goal within our training. And one of the things that we tend to do when we tend to do this progressive and this progressive overload or this inappropriate training uh scheduling is that we tend to use wishes to drive training and not goals to drive training, which is when, if I'm going to strictly follow a progressive overload, I may not be able to goal orient my training correctly based off of where I'm at within all of the parameters of my fitness that I want to change. We may be using a coercive event or a coercive effect in order to do the selection. And this is where we have to go fall back to uh, a couple of papers that relate to self-selection of exercise. And the fact that the more apt I am to want to do something, the more likely I am to do it without needing somebody there to direct me for doing it. And that's where we get into this in terms of diet and exercise, self-selection versus coercion. And what we want to make sure that we're doing is that we're doing things that we select to do because we want to do it not because we're being forced to do it. Going along with the wishes driving the training, sometimes the goals that we set are unrealistic. And part of that comes into not understanding how long does it take in order to actually get body composition changes? How long does it take in order to get strength cha strength changes? How long does it take to get endurance changes? How long does it take before I lose those things? Without having realistic goals within the training re regimens, we cannot program the exercise effectively. And that goes into the end result of why we're going wrong with the way in which we tend to be doing a lot of the diet and exercise, particularly for people who are attempting to do body compositional changes. And it's poor planning. It's unrealistic planning in terms of what we expect to get out of the exercise, out of the diet as well as poor correlations between the ideas of how to go about setting up a diet. And once again, I'll put some links in to the description for some stuff that we've published about what is the best diet or how to set up a better diet.
And we have some more stuff coming out as relates to the various types of diets that we might want to try to follow. But one of the big things we have to remember when we look at this, at this planning issue is that we're not trying to negate energy that comes from the foods that we consume with the exercise that we're doing. The caloric balance issue is an incorrect analysis for diet. Diet is about nutrition and nutrient acquisition so that we're able to meet the nutrient needs that the body has for everything that we do throughout the day, not the energy needs that we tend to focus on. And so how are we going to go about doing this? Well, it all depends on how we're going to incorporate those principles of physiology. And when we set up our training, we want to make sure that we're setting up the training so that we're going to vary the training to encourage continual growth and adaptation so that we're not going to hit the plateaus and we're not going to get stuck in plateaus. We're able to have a continuous growth taking place, even though we might see plateaus throughout the training regimens and plateaus are fine, but we want to make sure that we're not getting is stuck in those plateaus. We want to make sure that we're training in such a way so that when we start seeing plateaus within our training, we vary the training in such a way so as to get us out of the plateaus. And what it comes down to is it comes down to the periodization of our exercise. And when we talk about periodization of exercise, we're talking about breaking up the routines by the days, the weeks, or the months of the calendar year. Or when we talk about this in terms of the science, we talk about it in terms of the microcycle the mesocycle, and the macrocycle. The microcycle, the mesocycle, and the macrocycle. And what the cycles are doing is that they're setting up how we go about planning our goals. Because what we're trying to do by breaking up our exercise routine and by breaking up our diet routine is we're trying to make sure we don't get stuck within those plateaus. The goals are going to determine our progression. Our progression not in a constant progressive overload state, but our progression from cycle to cycle, where we're going to start with the smallest cycle, the micro cycle, and work to our largest cycle, our macro cycle, in such a way that the micros will build to the mesos and the mesos will build to the macros. And so when we look at this, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to establish specific goals in a stepwise fashion. And then in stepwise fashion, we'll, we'll have basically endpoints within blocks where we can think about, okay, can I reach a specific goal within a very short period of time? Or is this a goal that's going to be in a long period of time? This is where if we talk about goal setting, we have our short-term goals our medium-term goals, and our long-term goals. And when we're able to block off our goals, we're able to take a long-term goal and turn it from what was once a wish into what is actually a goal. And so what we want to remember in this is that we're going to focus on the periods in order to maximize the effectiveness for change. And this is where we have to remember this, the microcycles are within training weeks. The longest of the microcycles you want to think about is being like two to three weeks. Those microcycles build to the mesocycles, four to six week training goals. The macrocycles are our longer term goals, eight to 12 weeks. Now, 
Some references may show that these macro cycle goals are going to be your year-long goals. The problem with the year-long goals is that they can be set so far out in advance that they don't allow us to have the smart aspect to goal setting that we need, the specificity, the measurability, the adaptability, the, the time focus within those goals. And this is where we focus on what I showed in a meta-analytical study and what I showed in taking some yo-yoers and turn them into non-yo-yoers, people who would be a yo-yo dieter, a yo-yo exerciser. They would start, they would stop, they would start, they would stop. And what we did is we broke up the training cycles into these blocks and we have specific goals within those blocks. And what ended up happening is that those yo-yoers stopped being yo-yoers. They stopped their yo-yo behaviors and they started focusing on the goal orientation. And those goal orientation is going to allow us to have each period focus on one aspect of fitness. What we did not do in the goal orientation, what you need to make sure you're not doing when you're setting up your goals is using the scale as your goal. The scale can act as a re reinforcer. The problem is it can act as a negative reinforcer because of a, a pound of muscle or a pound of bone weighs the same as a pound of fat. And so what we did is instead of looking at what does the scale say, we look how functional are you? Well, thanks for listening to the first part of our discussion here related to why it's important to periodize our exercise routine and our diets. Please make sure to tune into the second part of the discussion that we uh, are having here as it relates to diet and exercise and periodization and how we can encourage a continuous uh, amount of changes within the body based off of the physiology principles of homeostasis and the governing principles such as the said principle. Please make sure that if you have not already, like and subscribe. 